There are a few accounts on Twitter where people are helping families with college and they're saying things like, this is what you should tell your ninth grader about how to prepare for college. Now, it's not you should tell them to be intellectually curious or you should tell them to learn how to get along with a lot of different types of people or you should allow them to figure out how you plan ahead so that you can get your paper in on time without freaking out the night before. It's things like, you should go in and introduce yourself to your school counselor and start thinking about the relationships you want to cultivate because who is going to write your teacher recommendations? These are the things that they're saying to ninth graders. It is so early. How do we make sure that you are the perfect college applicant is just crazy to me. Welcome to season six of Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and all the big feelings too. We tackle the serious stuff without being too serious. And I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author. And I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. I'll give you concrete steps to take and the words to say. We did an episode where, Lynn, you talked about the college application process and what to really think about of your child's mental health. And it was just like a game changer for me. I think every listener, I'll put a link in the show notes. Everyone should go back and listen to that because you have a lot to say about this. When you think of the families in your practice and the schools that you're working with, how are you seeing the topic of college applications and the subject of anxiety? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. There's probably not too much that makes kids more anxious than thinking about the college process and getting into the college process. I think the thing that's interesting to me now and what's sort of what sparked my renewed interest in this is for one that we're starting to hear the acceptances are starting to come in at this point, right? Tis the season. And then by May 1st, a lot of kids have to make their decisions about which college or university they're going to go to. So it's really sort of bubbling up again at this time of year. But I'm also just seeing and hearing a lot of things, and it's getting younger and younger. I think that's the thing that has really been striking to me over the last few months that I've been seeing on Twitter and conversations. and Like the panic and the stress about it all is happening to like fourth graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always say it reminds me of that, that that little seven-year-old that came into my office and he just like looks so sad. I go, hey, what's the matter? He's like, I don't know how to do my taxes. <laughs> and, and, and it's that kind of feeling. And also, so not only is it the stress of it that they have to be thinking about it, but also just how much conversation there is early on about how they have to get ready and sort of creating the perfect college student starting now in middle school. That's not even correct. It's not the perfect college student. It's the perfect college application. That's what we're talking about. Well, the thing that I've loved learning from you is that you have a very different checklist of what it means to be ready for college. And of course, the checklist that you would want other people to follow isn't necessarily what we think it is, but you have the experience of seeing what it's like for the students on the other side once they get in. Mm -hmm. You see the end game that other people don't because it doesn't just stop at the acceptance letter. What is it like for your, your son or daughter to go off to that school and what does it take to truly 
succeed and thrive and connect and learn and be curious and develop all of those things. What's your definition of being prepared for college? And I know it has nothing to do with AP exams. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously people take this really seriously. So let's talk about the price of taking this really seriously. Yeah. The things that are on my list, of course, are the ability to be autonomous. I mean, they're simple things like being able to get yourself up in the morning to be able to set alarm an alarm and get yourself up in the morning. Just those logistical things, all the executive functioning things and organization and that kind of stuff. Being able to manage your own schedule, being able to hand your assignments in on time, all of those academic things that the more parents get involved in, the less kids get experience with. But I will tell you, the biggest thing that I see over and over and over again is kids going off to college these days and not being able to manage socially, not being able to deal with a roommate who's different than they are, not being able to communicate with a roommate that they have problems with, not knowing how to even begin a conversation or to strike up a conversation with somebody they don't know, how to go and have an in-person meeting with a professor or to ask a question about something that they don't understand. Those are the things that I see really make or break whether or not a young person is okay at school. We've got all that academic stuff. But I will tell you, most of the kids that I see that are under this enormous pressure with this whole college process, academically, they're going to be okay. Unless they get to school and they totally crash and burn because they have no idea how to write a paper by themselves because their parent was writing the papers for them. But the social stuff, to be able to step into that arena and to handle conflict is really interesting. And that's where I see it falling apart pretty dramatically. I know that parents are overly involved in their children's academic career now, Mm -hmm. to the point where colleges had to create staff positions to communicate with parents who were contacting the universities. Mm -hmm. I'm a Gen Xer, so are you. Mm -hmm. Friends of mine, we talk about this a lot, of how, how independent we were in school compared to how things are a little different now. We're overly involved with our children all the way through school. And of course, then people have these crazy examples of parents talking to kids' bosses at their first jobs. (laughs) Right, right. I think to me, when I see this as a growing problem, let's think of the systemic causes of that. What is it in our parenting culture that has enabled this? So I think parents need to ask themselves Does my high schooler know how to communicate with a teacher if they're going to miss a test or all of those things? Are we so involved that they really haven't developed that autonomy? And clearly, being blind to that is easier than you think, or this wouldn't be such a problem now. That's right. Well, because it's just standard operating procedure. And then throw in the fact that a lot of these kids missed out on these opportunities to practice it. So it became even more normal for a parent to be so involved in the writing of papers, in the email sent to teachers. Your kids weren't even separate from you walking around the halls of the high school trying to figure all this stuff out. It absolutely is normalized that you're supposed to be involved. This is one of the things that I think we really have to pay attention to is that how not being involved or not being overly involved is now seen as neglectful. Yes, absolutely. That you are being a bad parent if you don't know all the classes that your child is taking. I'll tell you, honestly, I would go to like these open houses 
where you would go from 10 minutes to talk to each one of your kids' high school teachers. It really was kind of an interesting evening for me because I was learning what classes my kids were taking. Like, oh my gosh, oh, I didn't know they were taking this class. But this idea that you don't know exactly what your child is doing, that you don't know where they are, that you don't know what their grades are, that that is a sign of you not being a caring enough parent, that you're setting your child up for failure. That's the interesting irony. I don't know when I read this phrase, but one of my favorite parenting phrases is benign neglect. Yeah. Because they label it as free range, which of course is like a negative to so many people. Mm -hmm. Well, because that means that you're just letting them run free. That's the all or nothing thing. Either I'm, I know exactly what my kids' grades are, I'm paying attention to whether the homework assignments are turned in, or they're just running free. I'm not even putting shoes on their feet. We've talked about this before. There's a huge sweet spot in that. But there's this idea that I'm supposed to be involved. This is the message that parents have gotten. Here's the thing that interesting to me that I'm seeing more and more of is kids talking about in middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, already trying to cultivate their resume, so to speak, and parents trying to cultivate their kids' resumes so that their application looks good. They are stressed out that they don't know what they're going to major in that they don't know what their career is going to be, that they don't even know which college they want to go to. And it's interesting when you talk to a lot of 7th, 8th, ninth graders, the idea of going away to college for a lot of them is really kind of scary. They haven't even developmentally gotten to that place where they can imagine what that would be like. Maybe some of them have gone away to summer camp, so they have a little bit of a touch of it. But this whole early talking about how do we make you, and I'm making air quotes now, a well-rounded student, is just a load of BS. It's how do we make your application look good? How do we create the impression that you have these values that are so important? I just want to go like, Wah. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. 
ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook, you can add events directly using the touch screen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special 
time-limited offer for our listeners. Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up, so order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. Okay, we're back. So what would Lynn do? Here I am hearing all this information as your sister-in-law, my first child is going to go through this process. Mm-hmm. I try and intake all the advice you espouse on the podcast about this. Mm-hmm. We don't emphasize grades. We emphasize effort, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So here's a thing. Hypothetically, say I had two kids who had kind of different personalities. Mm-hmm. If you have a kid who's kind of driven they are academically competitive and they are hearing their peers talk about what they're doing and they hired a college counselor, like a private one. Mm -hmm. So they're going down this path. And then you have another kid who is like, whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You as a parent, what is the right way to manage both scenarios? So the first scenario is I think you have to have a lot of discussions with that driven, competitive, high-achieving child about the enormous amount of choice that they can have about where they go to college and how we make that choice. Particularly, you know, we live in New England. There's a very myopic idea about sort of what are the competitive colleges that you should be going to and applying to. But really talking to them very early on about the fact that there are so many different options. I've heard one college person say that it really is about figuring out not what college will accept you, but which college is the right fit for you. So you really want to start giving that message early and getting them out of this narrow view because it's as if they're running a race and they have to cross the finish line in front of all these other people. Asking your child what they're interested in And what are the values that you want them to have? And then how do they show the world what a wonderful person they are? Not how do they show a university admissions officer what a wonderful person they are, but how do they contribute to the world? What are they excited about? So if you've got the kid who's kind of into it, you want to offer that counterbalance of thinking about the bigger end game of life. Yeah. So what if you have the other kid who's just kind of not showing a lot of initiative and how much do you push and nudge? Because I have heard friends of mine and it sounds like they literally did the whole process for their kids. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not going to end well. No, it's not. So I think that actually comes up a lot too. Yeah. One of the things that happened because of the pandemic that's been kind of interesting for me to see is that it knocked a lot of families off this streamlined idea that you go to high school and then you apply to college and then you go to college. Like it gave a lot of room for people to think about what they wanted to do and how much time they had. And a lot of kids took years off and that kind of stuff. If you have a child that isn't sure that they want to go to college or isn't mature enough to go to college, I think if they can't fill out the application and if they aren't even interested in talking about or thinking about it, you might want to just step back a little bit and say, well, maybe we need to to slow this process down. 
Now, there are some kids who really shouldn't go to college or they don't want to go to college when they're 18 and they're too young and it is going to be a waste of your time and money. There are some kids that really do want to go to college, but they're overwhelmed, they're intimidated, and they don't know how to start the process. So that's one of the things too, is that the adolescent brain oftentimes has difficulty getting started when there's so much information. It is totally fine if you have a child who is expressing an interest in going in college or looking at the process, but doesn't really know where to start, doesn't really know how to get going, that you help them with that. That you say, well, let's get this book and look at what possible colleges there are, or let's go and take a few tours of colleges so you can even see what a campus looks like. It's okay for you to help them with the getting started process. If you are pushing them every step of the way, I can almost guarantee you that when they get to college, unless you're going to get an apartment nearby, which some parents have done, by the way, they are not going to have even the interest in figuring this out. And you're going to find that you spent an awful lot of time, an awful lot of effort, oftentimes an awful lot of money getting a child into a place that they either didn't want to go, weren't really sure about, have no idea why they're even there, and then things fall apart. Or during the first semester, they start coming home and saying, I don't want to go. This is stupid. This doesn't make any sense to me. I chose the wrong place, right? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, we went through all of this to figure this out, and now this is what's happening. But if the parent was honest, they would say, I did this whole process. I was too involved. Mm -hmm. I had to push to the point where my child wasn't really expressing their own wishes and desires and then look at where it got me. Right. Yeah. And a lot of kids truly just don't know. Like they need to go and look at a big school or look at a small school or they need to talk to people. And if they're pushing back against you every step of the way, you should pay attention to that. And you should just have a conversation with them. I think the thing that, that has sort of struck me these last few months, and I don't know why it's bubbling up these last few months so much, is starting to talk about this with kids so darn early that even by the time they get to junior or senior year, they're burnt out by it. It just feels like their whole life has been preparing for college. It becomes meaningless to them. They're not even excited about it anymore. It is true that the college application process becomes significantly more competitive with time. Mm -hmm. There's more applicants, so there are fewer accepted. Everyone always says this as a parent. They're like, it wasn't like this when I applied to college. I mean, it was still competitive. I mean, now it, it's over the top. So you add this over the top competitiveness, but then you also add the cultural norm of parents being overly involved mm -hmm. in directing it. And also, you've got a whole industry of people in schools whose job is to get kids into schools. And so they feel the pressure of it too. Well, they don't feel the pressure. They, they feel the profit. I can already tell you when now we're getting letters, you know, my daughter took the first standardized test. We're getting letters of join this program. All I can say is, so many of them are vanity programs that cost an obscene amount of money. Yep. This is uh, preying on the poor parent who doesn't know better. Right. Who's going to spend 10 grand on this future doctor's summer program. Yep. It's like those who's who in your <laughs> industry. Yeah, yeah. Pay $25 yeah. to get your name in this listing. Oh, those aren't real. So, the, <laughs> so there's like, there's this predatory model as well. Yeah. 
So there's the predatory model. There's the pressure on the, the schools, particularly if it's an independent school, but even in public schools, the way that they sort of show their worth is where are these kids going to school? I would have to check on this. I don't know when we talk about the competitiveness, but we had to fill out all those applications by hand. We had to type on a typewriter. That's right. The common application means that say you and I were going to apply to five schools. Now kids are applying to 20 schools because it's so much easier to do it. They just submit the common application. And I wonder how that's distorting things also. So many more applications, so many more kids applying. It is this interesting thing because it is so exacerbated by so many factors that have absolutely nothing to do with where a kid should be going, what a kid should be doing. It's all of these adult things coming in. Yeah, I didn't even think about those programs, which I'm very familiar with because I've talked to a lot of kids about those. When you think of the clients that you've seen, because you've seen so many high school students go through this process mm -hmm. too, they don't always get into the school of their choice. And I know that that's like an event that they have to work through. Mm -hmm. When some of our listeners' kids are going through that this spring, what advice do you have for these families to move through this in the best way? All right. So let's back it up a little bit. I'll talk about that specific problem now because for some families, right, it's too late. You can't undo this and the rejections and the acceptances are coming in the mail. But if we back it up a little bit, if we're talking about the families that I see, I have talked to a lot of families. I've certainly talked to families that are totally into what school they're going to get into and all this kind of stuff. I've also talked to families that have taken a really different approach to it, where they really have been very relaxed, I guess is a good word about like, well, my child is looking at these different schools and we're going to apply here and we don't really know which one he wants to go to yet, or she's not really sure which one she wants to go to yet. And I will tell you that those kids do great. And these are kids that are smart. These are kids that are wonderful, talented kids. The families just have a different attitude about this whole process. But those are families that you know. Those aren't necessarily, I, I have a hard time believing that many of your clients have that attitude. Not every family that comes to see me has a, a high achievement problem. There are some kids that have OCD or some kids that have social anxiety or that kind of stuff. So I absolutely do have these families that have this refreshingly laid back approach to college. Okay. Like that's not what their anxiety is about, really. Gotcha. It really is sometimes delightfully shocking to me. For the families that they've been all in, I mean, I definitely have families where if she doesn't get into this one school, that it's going to be a disaster and all the eggs are in this one basket. And I've tried with those families to talk about the fact that you are stepping into an arena which you actually have very little control over, that you have tried to cultivate this child into the perfect candidate for this particular school. And there still is not much that you have to say about it once the application goes in. So I've really tried to talk to them about the fact that you can say, I really want to go to this school and I'm going to apply. And now it really is not a reflection of me anymore. And I'm not going to take this so personally. And that I'm really going to figure out what I'm going to do with the different options. The other thing I talk to people about all the time, and this happened with my younger son is that if you go to a school and you don't like it, you can change. You can transfer. There's this whole idea that it's written in stone, that this is what you have to do, that this is where you have to go. 
I was talking to a girl the other day who said she decided to be a doctor when she was in fourth grade. She went off to her freshman year in college. She doesn't really like STEM classes. And so she's trying to figure out now. So she's having a little bit of a like, oh gosh, you know, this is what I thought. I said, how did you make the decision that you wanted to be a doctor when you were in fourth grade? She said, oh, because I knew it was a job that paid a lot of money. That was her criteria in fourth grade. Being able to talk to these kids and to talk to these families about the fact that they are constantly changing and growing and learning, and they're going to have some big disappointments. They're going to have some great successes. And this college admissions process is just one of the journeys through life where you're going to figure things out, where you're going to adjust. It may be the best day ever. It may be a hugely disappointing day. But how do we be flexible enough to recognize that we are going to be able to make the adjustments and we're going to be able to handle it? I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness it's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. 
Okay, so now back to the show. It's interesting because I was just reading something about happiness and this idea that happiness means everything goes well. And that we've told our kids that in order for them to be happy, everything has to go as planned. And that's a huge setup. Being able to just put this in the big, giant jambalaya of life that says, this may go great, this may not go great, we may have to make an adjustment. You may get into the school that you are really excited to go to, and they don't give you enough financial aid. So now we've got to make another decision based on that. We just want to be flexible about it rather than so narrow and rigid. Rigidity always gets us into trouble. Rigidity is just problematic with this. The one thing I took away from the other episodes where you've talked about this when my daughter entered high school is I say to them all the time, this admissions process is a game. Mm -hmm. Its outcomes are going to surprise us. Mm -hmm. The outcomes do not equate your value. Right. It's some person looking at an essay that you wrote. Maybe you wrote it by yourself. Maybe you didn't. I mean, it is an industry. It's a game, but it's a game where we have made the stakes so high and we have made the cost so high, both literally and figuratively, how much money people are spending to try and game the system or to figure out how to get their kid into that school. And if you are giving your child that message and it doesn't work out the way they want it to work out, you're going to have to deal with that. So if you're starting early with this, if you're thinking about it because your child is in seventh grade or eighth grade or ninth grade, just listen to the language that we use about this process. It's like a dog show sometimes, right? I mean, we're just trying to like create the perfect Pekingese that will win the dog show. Let your kids be who they are. Let them have the values that you want them to have. You can raise a jerk that can get into a really competitive school. Or you could raise a wonderful human being that decides that they're going to take some courses at a community college while they figure out what they want to do with their rest of their lives. And I'll tell you also, this college thing, this admissions thing, this life thing just doesn't go the way we think it's going to go. It just doesn't. And that's okay. We just got to take the pressure off. It's pretty nutty. So here's my question. Have you seen scenarios where the parents have basically been these academic crutches throughout the whole career mm -hmm. through high school? And then I'm not even sure how you can get that involved in college, but... Oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I guess I'm about to have a rude awakening because I think it's all about like grade negotiation and all of that too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if that's like the most toxic example of overparenting then what kind of kid is that? What kind of young adult is that in the world? Yeah, so that's a young adult who is completely focused on outcome and who is doing what they think they should do in order to get the approval and the rewards that either they believe they are worth or that they are trying to accumulate. I was just doing a little research about something else and I came across this study that sort of surprised me and I was talking to my son about it. Currently in medical school, 75% of med students are on antidepressants and or using Adderall. That's what this study said. 75% of med students are on at least one psychotropic medication, which is pretty interesting because these are kids that have pushed and pushed and pushed 
you finish college, getting into medical school at this point is an ordeal. And what have we created but a bunch of young people that are in a profession in which they are supposed to be learning how to care for people. And the only way that they can get through the training is to medicate themselves with antidepressants and stimulants. That to me is just incredibly sad. That is sad. And when I asked my son about it, because his girlfriend is in medical school and he went to a high pressure college and so did she. When I told him that, he said, oh no, that doesn't surprise me at all. I think, in fact, his exact words were, duh. <laughs> yeah. <I guess> <laughs> yeah. It, we just keep amping it up, don't we? There's like two parenting phrases I hate the most. One of them, though, is we just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. When parents use this in this manipulative way, I can tell you a friend of mine in college, his parents were very overly involved. They clearly had a path of what they wanted his life to be like. Mm-hmm. And there was this big uproar when he wanted to major in history instead of business. We just want you to be happy. We want you to major in business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just wanted to say, okay, and how is this, you know, relevant? How yeah. is this applicable? And what is your definition of happiness? Yeah. If that's a catchphrase in your family, do some self-evaluation. Yeah. They use that in my family too, that we just want you to be happy. And so every family kind of loads that phrase with their own stuff. Yeah. And when you say, oh, we just want you to be happy. I've heard that from parents plenty in my office, right? I go, well, what are you, what, you know, what are you hoping to get out of this? Or what do you want? We just want her to be happy. And I say, every minute? And they sort of stop. And I say, for me, it's, I just want you to be able to manage what life throws at you. I want you to have connections. I want you to have support so that when things don't go well, you have people that love you and care about you. Doesn't that sound better than saying, I just want you to be happy? I want you to be loved when you're miserable. I want you to know what to do when things go wrong, where you go for help. One I always add to the list is, I want you to feel very worthy of love. Yep. Good old Mr. Rogers, right? Everybody just wants to be loved and know that they are lovable. It's this idea that we have to put so many things in place to make sure that our kids are happy and we forget that what we really have to put in place is how do we help our kids when they're not? That's what we have to pay attention to because that's where it goes bad. That's where it gets sad. Not everybody is going to be happy all the time. In fact, I can guarantee you parents that going through high school and going through college And going through medical school and taking SSRIs and Adderall and trying to get a job so that they can impress you is not going to make anybody happy, including you in the long run. It's just a game. And it really is okay to just step back. This world has been crazy for the past few years. It continues to be crazy. Step back and think about what it is in those hard times What do you want your kids to be able to feel and do? And how do you want them to be able to get help and support? I heard a story, and I can't remember the details exactly, but it may have been my friend who works at, at a college. There was a boy who was in college, and he was supposed to major in the thing that his parents want him to major in, whether it was economics or whatever. And he changed his major and didn't tell them. He changed his major to studio art. And here comes graduation, and he is going to have to tell his parents 
that for the last three years, he hasn't been doing what they instructed him to do. And he was terrified, but it was going to happen. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that poor kid, right? He probably had an amazing experience being creative and who knows what this will do for him and where this will take him. And he is terrified of the fact that he's going to let his parents down. That's Mm. sad. I bet that's not as uncommon as we think either. Yeah. So many families really put pressure on very specific majors Mm -hmm. that lead to more obvious types of jobs in the sciences, healthcare, et cetera. I bet that's very common. Well, and I think what's interesting about that too is that if you listen to what they're talking about in terms of this country, there are a lot of professions, a lot of trades that are desperate for people to go into. There are some families that say, well, it it doesn't make any sense to spend $40,000 a year for you to be an art history major. I was an art history major. (laughs) I was was an English major. (laughs) There are some families where becoming a plumber, an electrician, a welder, all these trades, I think there's this whole push of go to college, go to college, go to college. And not really recognizing that there are so many wonderful things that people can do. And this whole college thing, like you said, it's a game. It's an industry. It is an enormous source of stress for so many families. If we go back to, oh, I just want you to be happy. Being curious, stepping into the world with eyes open, absorbing all the amazing things that are around us. Being able to demonstrate your creativity, being able to show the world who you are. Again, it's not about being happy every moment of every day, but if you talk about people who have the ability or have the opportunity to show that creativity, to sort of let their flags fly, let their sails run, those people have moments of joy. They really do. Absolutely. It's not easy to be chill about this. I I was not chill about this. Okay, good, good. I'm trying. Oh, I was chill on the outside very different processes with my two kids, but it is really, really hard. It's hard to know what's right. It's hard to know how much to push, how much not to push. It's hard to not get sucked into all the parent competition about this. It's really, really hard. So yeah, yeah, no, I'll be transparent about it too. It was hard. Thanks for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find this information. And if you'd like to dig deeper on any of these topics, we have specialized playlists on our Spotify profile and the link is in the show notes. Topics like teens, depression, and OCD. Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell?, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.